Hi everyone, I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com, and I want to welcome you to the Be A Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com, where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode, as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Work Your Story Wednesday, I'll walk you through specific nitty-gritty storytelling steps that you need to take in order to get noticed by the media, get invited to appear in the media, and my secrets to getting invited back. We'll also chat about the three P's, how to prepare, package, and position yourself before you even email or pick up the phone to pitch the media. Tune in every Wednesday for tips about how to pitch producers and editors so they email or call you back ASAP. Welcome everyone to Be A Media Darling podcast. And our topic today is how to use Instagram to promote your business with integrity and beauty. And we're talking today with Melissa Camilleri. She is a high school English teacher turned CEO and founder of Compliment Inc., which is a lifestyle brand that seeks to encourage, inspire, and educate. And even though it started off as a college scholarship fundraiser for Melissa's students, Compliment has grown to be an online destination for people seeking gifts that uplift and give back. Really beautiful stuff. I love your stuff, Melissa. Thank you. And she founded the company in late 2011, and she sets aside 5% of all product sales to the Compliment Scholarship Program. She's raised tens of thousands of dollars in educational funding for girls who dare to dream big and break the cycle of poverty in their families through education. Really wonderful. Ever the teacher at heart, Melissa is the founder of the (laughs) 21-Day Instacourse, which helps others gain massive exposure on Instagram, which I take in, on a shoestring budget, and many other workshops and trainings, which we were just talking about, Melissa, she's just train the trainer. She also helps people with the audacity to dream a little bigger, find their unique gifts and talents, and spread their messages to the world. She lives and loves in Northern California, and I invite you to take her 21-day Insta course, and I'm going to give you the link for it now. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Insta dash. I've gone through it and it's fantastic. And plus, she's got a whole community of helpers in the private Facebook page, which has been really awesome. Melissa, I've got to get back up in there. Yeah, it's an awesome group. I think that's one of the coolest things about being in the Instacourse program is the community that you're instantly a part of. I am just blown away by the graciousness and the generosity of the people in that group who continue to help and inspire me even as each cohort goes through the program. So it's Yeah, cool. I agree. It's been really amazing that way. Well, let's talk about Instagram and What kinds of businesses should be on Instagram? Like Karen Leland and I, when we were talking last night about branding, one of the things that we were talking about is you don't have to be on every social media. You want to be on the social media where your people are. Mm -hmm. And I had brought up to her, well, what about loving it? You know, what about you got to be in the medium that she loves? And she's like, eh, you know, like if you don't love the medium where your people are, hire someone to do it. But you have to be on the medium where your followers, where the kind of people who want what you have are hanging out. I agree. Yeah, particular ones that Instagram just really works well for, works the best for. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there are 500 million active users on Instagram right now, and it is growing and growing by droves every day. And because it started off as a mobile social media, meaning it used to be you could only access it on your phones, I found that any sort of web-based business was seeing a lot of luck on Instagram because somebody's already on their phone, they're moving about, they're mobile, they see Instagram, and then they can click directly on your link to get more information. So if you have any sort of web presence, I think Instagram is definitely the place to be. When it comes to where are your people hanging out, I think predominantly people are using Facebook. I think millennials are a little bit more inclined to use Instagram. So if you serve a millennial market, Instagram is a good place to be. But for example, like I know Snapchat is really big right now and I'm not on Snapchat because I just don't want to spend 
my time and energy focused on growing another platform. And what I love about Instagram is that it's so visual. And so for me as a product-based business, that works really well. But I think one of the barriers maybe that some people who are not product-based businesses, they're a service-based business, for example, they get stuck in the mindset that, oh, Instagram's not for me because what can I show a picture of me doing if I'm a service-based business? And that's where... I challenge the people who go through my course who are service-based businesses to kind of think a little bit differently, to shift their mindset to a little bit more of a growth mindset and think about how can this work for your business because people are on it. People are on Instagram. They're spending a lot of time on Instagram, and so it behooves, I think, all businesses to be on Instagram because that's where the people are. People are really enjoying that platform as a place to share photos and build community and build relationships. I think you can build relationships really well on Instagram more so than you do. You can on Facebook or Pinterest or some of the other social medias that are out there. And that's why I prefer it for my brand. Yeah. I want to talk about the building relationship because you're really big on that and you've got over 30,000 followers now Mm -hmm. and you've done that in very short order. But first for a service-based business, what would be like an example of the way that they could promote themselves? Because they're not thinking like visually, what do I do? Put up a picture of me and my client. That's not very exciting or beautiful or whatever, right? Right, exactly. So most service-based businesses have some sort of web presence when it comes to like blogging, for example. So the first place I'd like to start um, when I'm mentoring service-based businesses on Instagram is to think about what visual would you include if this were a blog post? What would that visual look like if you were going to pin it on Pinterest anyways? Take a picture of that thing or find a stock photo even of that thing that you would use to illustrate that idea. Even breaking that down a little bit further, if you think, okay, your blog post or the thing that you want to encourage or instruct or to entertain your following, if you think about that as like the wording of a children's book, how would you illustrate that page in a children's book? So what would be the visual cues you would use to get somebody's attention? So sometimes that translates into using textual images, meaning like you put like text over a photo. But I think you can even get a little bit more outside the box. So one of my favorite examples, can I mention an example? Oh yeah, please do. Okay. I have a good friend, Jennifer E. Snyder. That's her um, handle, like her Instagram handle. So she's at Jennifer E. Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. And she is a writer, a podcaster. She is a professional freelancer in a lot of different media outlets. And she's really fabulous at building Instagram community in the service-based sector in that she will take an excerpt of her blog, like whatever her blog post is, and use that as the caption. And that's where she starts first because she is a linguistic thinker. You know, she's a writer, so she thinks in captions first. And so she will think about what her caption is going to be as an excerpt of her blog post or as something that she wants to teach her following. And then she will find a way to illustrate that. And she writes a lot about the outdoors and being in nature. And so a lot of her posts are taken or a lot of her photos are taken like on walks with her dog or like hikes she's taken in the mountains, like really beautiful scenery shots, but she's a writer. And so she's not taking pictures of her computer screen. She's not taking pictures of her hands on the keyboard. She's really thinking out of the box to illustrate the stuff that she's talking about within her captions. So some people come at it first from a visual perspective, like especially product-based businesses, they show pictures of their products. But if you are somebody who is offering a service or you're a thought leader in your industry, you can come at it first from the caption, like understanding what you want to say first and then finding a way to illustrate that I think is a little kind of a mindset shift that can really aid people when they're coming at it from a service-based perspective. So what you're saying too is not to think literally, like she's a writer, like don't you, we're not taking pictures of your writer. I mean, maybe you might have beautiful pictures of stacks of books, or I know people love shots with books in them, but you're saying think outside of the box and think impressionistically, like what's going to make this person feel like the beautiful outdoors. People want to see some beautiful scenery, but then linking it with a caption that makes sense for whatever she's writing about. So it doesn't have to be that literal connection. I think a lot of people, even in their blog posts, they want it to be literal, like if they're talking about something, they want to have the picture of the something versus the picture of the feeling. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So in the Instagram course, we actually spend a full day talking about what kind of emotions do you want your people to feel when they come in contact with your social media. So on Instagram, that translates to when somebody sees your pictures, what do you want them to feel by interacting with your brand? So we brainstorm emotions. We brainstorm, okay, I want somebody to feel like they are experiencing luxury or they are, you know, whatever your branding is. And so once we've determined what we want people to feel, we start brainstorming how can we show that visually? How can we show that emotion visually? And we do some study on other advertising, like on commercials. Like how does, for example, like a truck commercial make you feel freedom or make you feel independent, like the open road and independence, you know? So we talk about those visual things and how you connect that. So you can really think metaphorically with your photos and you don't have to be an exceptional photographer in order to make Instagram work for you because there are all kinds of free stock photos that you can use. You can screenshot things from other accounts and give them credit. So it's like citing your source. There's all kinds of ways to work around that. And we go, you know, kind of in depth in the Instagram course talking about those things, about strategies. Yeah, I think that's so important about how you want to make people feel because that's Uh really the basis of it. I mean, if we look at all the, like what you said, you're looking at commercials like on TV and like those famous commercials for Budweiser, like with the Clydesdales and things like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, that makes you feel really good and happy. And then you want to connect with that person. Right. And beer is nowhere in the actual commercial until maybe the very last second. You know, it's not just a picture of a beer can. It's, um, you know, it might be pictures of girls in bikinis or, you know, because you're selling sexy, you know, you're selling some other kind of emotion. So we talk about that and we really do some deep work into our branding and figure out, okay, how do I want my people to feel? And what are ways that we can get people to feel that way without showing our product or without showing the literal iteration of our service? And I have a few counselors or therapists who have gone through my training and want to connect people, want to connect and build a community on Instagram for their practice. And for client confidentiality, you can't show you, you know, like actually giving somebody a therapy session. So you really have to get creative and it may seem like a challenge, but to me, that's like a really exciting challenge. It's how can I show this and connect with people in a visual way that makes them feel something. And that is the foundation of success on Instagram in my mind. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And what you were mentioning is the way to get there is don't freak out if you can't, if you're not a great photographer, you can use your own photos, you can use stock photos, you can use screenshots of other people's Instagram account and give them credit or tag them, which we can talk about in a little bit. And then the other thing is that I think that a lot of people have had great success. You use this is that you said, you know, putting words or your own words or quotes on an actual image, whether it's your image or a stock photo image. And one of the places where you can get that, I don't know if you use this, but I use word swag. Oh yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. I love word swag because Mm -hmm. it's like a designer has done your beautifying for you. And there's so many choices. So we'll put that link on BeAMediaDarling.com along with the link to Melissa's course at her 21-day Insta course, which is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Insta, I-N-S-T-A dash, where you can take her course. Are you giving that year round now or you're still starting at like at specific times? So for the rest of 2016, we're doing it at specific times. I have two cohorts that are planned, one that begins August 8th. So I'm not sure when this goes live, but August 8th is the closest one that's launching. And then I'll have one that's launching toward the end of October to get people prepped for holiday sales. So, you know, either one of those are available in 2016. And then I haven't made solid plans for 2017 yet. And I haven't really decided I'm going to roll this out to be evergreen where you can just take it whenever you want to. Oh, that'd be perfect because people will be listening to this at all different times, but we'll be sure to get out this first one before August 8th so people can get to it. And if they miss that, they can get in time for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, So that would be great. That's super great advice about any kind of either a service-based business or a product-based business. And how do you 
then, do you advise to, because we're talking publicity here too, you know, how do you grow your business? So this is, you have to have some kind of strategy to get people back to your website and on your list and to buy. So what is your strategy for that to not be salesy and selly, but also to be providing the beauty and the feeling? And also you want to engage people with your content on your website and go deeper with you. And drive some traffic that And drive way, yeah. some traffic, yeah. How do you do that? There's a book by Gary Vaynerchuk called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And he talks about in that book, essentially, like you want jabs are the way that you're like kind of creating community and you are getting people into engaged in your story, engaged in what you do, giving them lots of touch points into understanding who you are and what you stand for and what you do. And then the right hook is the call to action, the sale. And some mistakes I see people making on Instagram is that either it's all of those jabs, like it's all just about creating community and then there's never a sale pitch or it's like pitch, 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 pitch. And both ways aren't the way to go. Like if, you know, either extreme doesn't benefit you in the long run. So having that kind of balance. And so on Instagram, I try and make it about five to one. So five jabs to one right hook or five community building, emotionally engaging posts to one sale post. And it doesn't always work out in that perfect formula, but that's like kind of a good ratio that I try and think about. So I want to post five pictures about roughly approximately that are getting people into understanding what the brand about compliment is. And then one post that actually calls for a sale. Like these candles are, you know, in the shop, you can get them at this link or our link is in our bio. You know, a lot of people say that on Instagram because you only get one clickable link on Instagram in your bio. And so I want to be really clear that when it comes time to sell, it's clear that I'm selling in that post because I've seen a lot of really well-intentioned people who get a little bit bashful when it comes time for this sale to actually let people know what the heck they're doing. And you won't drive traffic that way. So it is important that you let people know how they can connect with you. So that's for me for e-commerce, you know, an e-commerce site, I actually like point to a product in a picture and will say like, here, you can get this, go to this link. If you are somebody who books services, then you're talking probably for five posts, you're talking philosophically about something, you're providing value by teaching your followers something or entertaining them in some way. And then you would say sessions for the summer are booking up. I have 10 slots left. Make sure you jump on that today. Yeah. And then go to my link and, and direct traffic that way. Or we're doing a giveaway on our blog today be sure to click this link. That's great. And, you know, I remember seeing one guy who was a screenwriter who did a lot of teaching and quoting people. And then he had a link to hire me to be a script doctor for your script. So he had those, you're saying, don't be shy about the sale because you're doing a disservice to your audience. And don't try to mask it either. Like, be very clear. This is what I'm offering to you. And if you would like it, go here. And if it's for you, you know, go here. And this is the, if there's a time frame, if you're having a sale, right? then here it is. And just keep it clear when you're selling and when you're what you call jab, jab, jabbing or creating community service and giving beautiful value. Is that right? right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes time to give the call to action, don't mask it. Like you yeah. don't have to say, oh, and maybe if you want to, you could possibly do, you know, it's like be direct, be clear. And if people want to buy, they're going to buy, but you need to make it easy for them. And so point them in the direction of the URL that you need them to go to. So if you are selling a particular service, you're selling maybe like a specific course, you can actually change the URL in your bio Instead of it just hitting your homepage where all of your things are available, you might make your URL specific to the one thing that you're promoting in your call to action on Instagram, if that makes sense. Like you can change that that clickable link 
whenever you want. So you can get strategic that way. Yeah. So what Melissa is talking about is in the bio, you're allowed one link. So you can change that whenever you want, depending on what your call to action is for your sale. So you can put the link both in the post itself, in the Instagram post, but it's Mm -hmm. not clickable. And then the only clickable one is in the actual bio. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's right. But you can still put it, I mean, both places so people can cut and paste it. And then the other question I have about that is like, okay, so do you have a strategy where you're moving people back to your site, like for a blog post or to get them deeper into content before you're selling them? Is that part of the strategy too, or getting them on your list? Yeah. So for me, for, you know, getting people on my list, that usually the best conversion I have on my website to get people on my list is my pop-up, right? When people arrive at my homepage, whether or not they've purchased something. And so for e-commerce, it looks a little bit different than service-based. So I have a 15% off, you know, your first time you, like your first purchase on my e-commerce site. So when people click even on Instagram, the pop-up will come up and some people will sign it there just so they could get the first discount of the thing that they buy. But in order to drive more people to my list, I've done a couple of things on Instagram and the most effective one has been to actually do a giveaway. So I'll tell my Instagram people, I'm giving away whatever X product to five people, five new subscribers to the list. And you have from now until the end of the day, let's say, to sign up if you'd like to win. And so you've probably seen Instagram giveaways where it's like you want more people to follow you on Instagram. I try and take my traffic from Instagram and convert them to my list periodically because we know the email list is like the ultimate gold, right? So for me, Instagram is driving people to that. And so I'll say like, I'm giving away five to, you know, the first five people that sign up, or I'm giving away five of these products. Um, and I'm going to draw names out of a hat for anybody who signed up on the newsletter between now and the end of the day. So like there's, I create some scarcity. There's a time limit. So people rush to do that. And that's been really a really great way to get people in on my email list. And, you know, I do have several thousand people on Instagram, but that has translated when I do those little giveaways, like to probably a hundred, 150 new signups within a day. Um, each time I run one of those giveaways. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for me because I have products to give away for a service-based business. You could do something similar and you could say for all the new people who sign up on the list between now and tomorrow at midnight or whatever, I'm going to give away a $25 gift card to Starbucks or, you know, whatever it is. Or you can give a downloadable PDF. Yeah. Or anything. Anything that's electronic as well as you're giving away physical things, but people can give away Uh electronic things too. Sure. Absolutely. Or a session with you or like a 20 minute, you know, consultation or something, you know, there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do. Oh, that's a great idea for people who are service-based. What about Mm -hmm. contests? Is that a good way to, I mean, this is a kind of contest, but what about contests? Are they a good way of promoting your brand or promoting your business book, product, service, or cause? Sure. I mean, a contest would be like maybe there's a hashtag contest where you're asking for people to post pictures of something that's thematic to you. So for example, um, a blogger that I worked with, she was doing something about what it looks like behind the scenes of entrepreneurs and how we can be vulnerable together. So she created a hashtag for this project and she invited all of us to anybody who was participating from her Instagram to take a selfie with like a confession about (laughs) your life as an entrepreneur and which was hilarious, you know? So like my confession that I posted was something like, I have five piles of laundry waiting for me when I get home (laughs) and whatever. And we were encouraged to use this hashtag. Well, it was great because people followed her, the blogger who created this contest. And I'm not even sure if there was like anything that anybody won. I think it was just like a way to, it was like a campaign. Yeah. But you could certainly do prizes as well. And we were all told to follow this hashtag And it was really fun to see what people shared. And she probably got, I would say, I wasn't counting, but 
at least a thousand new followers because we were all told to also tag her in the post. And so people were like, what is this thing? Oh my gosh, it's getting so many likes and so many follows. And she, prior to the contest, she didn't just run it on Instagram. Prior to the contest, she found some key influencers that would help her project And so she reached out to a few of us who serve a similar client as her in a different way and asked if we would be involved in this. And she gave us instructions to kind of get the momentum going, but anybody could have joined the contest. So it wasn't just the people who she asked, it was anyone. So you helped promote it. You helped, she was one of the key influencers. So you popped that up on your feed. Correct. But by being involved, I was still a part of the contest, you know, again, there wasn't anything to win, but like I gained new followers because I was part of this. Right. So you gained new followers and so did she. So it helped all the influencers as well as her. Exactly. Do you remember the hashtag? I can look it up right now. I can't remember off the top of my head, but let me go into my Instagram. Yeah. And while you're doing that, so these are the kinds of strategies that Melissa talks about in her 21 day Insta course, which is bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Insta dash. And so again, and then there's people within the community. So you can ask questions and ask technical questions. I remember I use the community because I was like, I can't, you know, pull this up on my, I, I couldn't do certain things on my iPad or my iPhone. I was just having some tech problems. And there were a lot of great people in there saying, try this and try that until I got it, you know, figured out. And also people talk a lot about strategy because there are a couple of people who are like super active and really experienced, they seem to always be in there and lend a helping hand to talk about about creating strategies and campaigns, as well as the challenging tech stuff. So I thought, I mean, I was reading what other people, even if it wasn't my specific issue, I was reading and learning about other creative things that people were doing that then helped me figure out, well, maybe I could use that same idea, even if I'm in a different industry. Absolutely. Yeah. So I found it. You want to know? Yeah, please. It's hashtag the imperfect boss, (laughs) all one word. And the woman who created this campaign, her name is Ashley and she's at fire and wind co F I R E A N D W I N D C O. And I think that from this campaign or this little contest, she probably gained more than a thousand. I'm going to go out on a limb and say like two or 3000 from this because so many people got involved. The way that she did it was so interesting in the way that she reached out to influencers and said, would you mind sharing? And this is all that I'm asking you post a picture with a confession. And it was fun. And we got to see what other people were saying. That was great. I don't know if you still have her request, but it would be lovely to post that on there, like the right way to approach people because she obviously was successful. If not, no worries. But we're going to have all of this at BeAMediaDarling.com. So we'll have the hashtag and we'll have Ashley's handle as well. It'll be at BeAMediaDarling.com with all of the other things that we're talking about. So you can click through and take a look because I think it's super valuable to take a look at see really how these things are done. We're talking about it, but like it's great to be able to see the inside and the backstory, right, of these things. That's why it's really nice to be, like you mentioned, with that community on the 21 Day Insta course. It's really nice to be a part of a community of people who are willing to help one another grow in the same ways that they're trying to grow. I get ideas from people all the time in there, and we're all in it together. And the dynamic of that group is such that if we find something that works for us, we try and share it so that other people can replicate that in their own industry, in their own way, for their own brand, and whatever iteration that looks like. So it's a really cool thing to be a part of because we're always constantly learning, and I just really appreciate that about the people who have stepped up and become leaders in that group. Yeah, it's really been wonderful. I so appreciate that. And then in turn, that makes me, you know, try to step up if I have an answer for something, which is rare, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, if it's a PR kind of question, I can definitely step in in there. So did she DM you? Did she direct message you for that? She actually emailed me for that. And you bring up a really good point because direct messaging and Instagram is a great way to make contact with people. However, I really caution against making that the first contact you have with somebody. It's almost like cold calling and it feels like a little bit private when you don't know somebody yet. So direct messaging, I feel like on Instagram at least, is a really great tool 
to use with people who you already have established a relationship with online. I think email is a teeny bit more formal and taken a little bit more seriously and more professionally. So this girl, Ashley, she reached out to me via email. And to be quite honest, that's probably why I saw it and read it. Because when you send a direct message to somebody who doesn't follow you back, it doesn't always show up in their queue to read. It's like in a hidden folder. So it might unintentionally just go unnoticed. So I do encourage people when they're reaching out to other influencers or other people that they're trying to build a relationship on Instagram, it actually serves you better if you reach out via email first because it's just a little bit more professional, a nice first step. As opposed to like calling somebody at their home, which is kind of what a DM would be like. I see. I see. And what you're saying is Ashley may have followed you, but you may not have followed Ashley. So she may not have seen your direct message anyway. And that's just too direct. The direct message is too direct to touch somebody for the first time when you don't know them. Yeah. The other way around. I think she followed me, but because I didn't follow her right. yet... I wouldn't have seen her direct message. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, since we're talking about hashtags too, what's up with hashtags? And they seem to work really well for some people and not for others. Some people use them a ton. Some people use them hardly at all, but they have like big followings. So how does that work? Yeah, so if you are Taylor Swift or Beyonce, for example, (laughs) you do not need to use hashtags because you already have a following and people are looking for you because they know of you elsewhere. If you are trying to build a following and gain new followers on Instagram using hashtags, it's a great tool and you can use up to 30 hashtags per post. And so I try and use all 30 for most of my posts because Mm. I'm trying to get them seen by new people. So hashtags, for those of you who are unfamiliar with how they work, it's kind of like a digital filing system. So if you imagine Instagram like a gigantic filing cabinet and you pull out a drawer and there's all of the hashtags are different folders in that drawer. Your photo would get filed under a folder of whatever it is that you hashtagged. So for example, if you used 30 hashtags on your photo, it would be like having 30 copies made of your photo and putting them in 30 different folders in that filing cabinet. So for anybody who was looking for under the hashtag, let's say hashtag Friday, and you used hashtag Friday on your photo, If somebody opened that metaphorical filing cabinet drawer and looked under the folder Friday, your photo would fall in there. But if you also hashtagged on the same photo, hashtag Friday and hashtag almost the weekend, then whatever file folder that also was labeled almost the weekend, your photo would show up there as well. So by using 30 hashtags, you're showing up in 30 different feeds that are like kind of categorizing these photos. That's the best way I can think about explaining it. Sometimes it's easier just to kind of poke around and see what I mean. (laughs) But does that make sense? Yeah. And let me maybe use a direct example. Since you do beautiful jewelry for people that have a compliment in them, you Uh might do a hashtag for Mother's Day that like Mother's Day gift. And then anybody who was searching for a Mother's Day gift would put that hashtag in their search bar and all of the photos that were tagged with that. So your beautiful jewelry was tagged with that. They would know that they could buy that for Mother's Day. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I see a lot of people using hashtags. Some do it well. Some do it not quite as well. I think that when hashtags first started on Twitter, they were used as like a digital filing system, but almost like a cheeky parenthetical. And so instead of just like writing out that thing, whatever you wanted to say in the caption, you would say like, hashtag, thank God it's almost the weekend. And while it's funny and it reads really well, especially if you're a writer and you like using parentheticals, it's like kind of a fun way of doing it. It might not be strategically the best way of doing things only because other people might not be searching for that hashtag. So you're not going to show up in people's hashtag searches. So effective ways to use hashtags. I would say when you're first starting out, definitely use as many as you can, which is 30 per photo, and you want to get strategic on thinking about where your potential customers are going to be searching. So for me, you would think like, okay, I sell jewelry, so maybe people are going to hashtag search for jewelry. What I find after a lot of trial and error, what I have found after a lot of trial and error is that the people who are posting and searching 
under the hashtag of jewelry are other jewelry designers and they are not the people who are going to be buying my stuff because they can make it themselves. So I, and this is all just through like figuring out what's working for my brand. So I had to get a little bit more creative. I started trying to use hashtags that are more relevant to the values of my brand and who the people who are buying my products are in their lives, not what I'm doing in my life. So let me give you a specific example. Because I'm a teacher, I was a teacher in the classroom, and Compliment started as a fundraiser for scholarships, and we continue to give scholarships. A lot of the people who are attracted to my brand, I know, are also teachers. And so I use a lot of hashtags that are relevant in the teaching world, even though what I'm promoting is jewelry. So I'm trying to connect with people on values and connect to people where they are, knowing stuff already about my ideal client and my customer, my perfect customer. And other ways that I've seen people do this is like hashtagging a particular value or another industry that they want to be working with. So for people like, you know, Susan, you work with a lot of small businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs who are trying to get more media spots and to get help with their PR. So using hashtags that are popular among entrepreneurs would benefit you. So that would be like, I know this because I typed this into Google, like most popular hashtags for entrepreneurs. And there's one that's entrepreneur life, L-Y-F-E. I don't know why that is, but I found that on Google. And so hashtagging entrepreneur life is going to attract entrepreneurs to your feed and they're going to see your picture through that hashtag search because they're posting, they're looking for things that serve them, if that makes sense. So there's a whole strategy behind hashtagging and the most effective way to do that would be by thinking about who your ideal client is, where they are searching online, and then using those tags on your photos. And it's Entrepreneur Life, L-Y-F-E? Yeah, I think there's a bunch under that. Did you look at that up? No, I didn't look it up because I oh. didn't want to get off of okay. it. So what you're saying is that one of the hashtag strategies that you use is your values and who you serve, your ideal client, and you need to know what they're searching. Because I think a lot of people, I know I had a client and she's like, I come up first in Google. It was for a term that she used on her blog, but no one was searching by that term. Yeah. So she had put the term on her blog. I'm like, well, of course you come up first because because on your blog, but nobody's searching for that. Of course, you'll come up first, but nobody's ever going to find you. Right. It's not about making up a term. It's about finding out what your ideal client is searching for and then finding out that hashtag and putting it on there and whether they are searching for services or they're searching for values. I mean, I use one that's philanthropy or green living because those are people who are yes. attracted to my sell yourself without selling your soul brand, right? So yes. Yes. And I do use hashtag jewelry because I do want jewelry people to come and look at me to get like into O Magazine because that's a really hot place for people to go um, because she's always showing jewelry in O Magazine. So those are the kinds of things that, and you might have hashtags, specific hashtags for specific offerings as well as, you know, what your offerings are in your specific photos. It's not that you're using exactly the same ones every single time, right? That's right. Exactly. So it could be based on the picture. You could have like a series of hashtags that you use that are general that you use for all of your pictures and then like a rotating series depending on like what photo you're promoting or like what product you're promoting online or what service you're promoting. Can I go back and make it an amendment sure. on the, the hashtag I told Amend. you? Entrepreneur life with an I. I don't know why I thought it was with a Y. I must have seen it with something else and confused it. But entrepreneur life. So this is actually like a good teaching tool for figuring out which hashtags might be good in your industry. I try and look for hashtags that have... In the six figures, the number of posts that are under that hashtag are in the six figures. So at least 100,000, no more than 999,999. Does that make sense? Yeah, because if it's too popular, nobody will ever find you. Right. If it's too popular, you're going to get lost. And if there's like 100 people who have only used that hashtag, what's the point? You're never going to get found. So the sweet spot, I feel like, is between 100,000 and maybe like 750,000. And how do you find out how many people are posting? If you go to Instagram and you click on the little magnifying glass icon, you can type in search under tags. So I typed in entrepreneur life with an I, like how it's supposed to be spelled. (laughs) 
I'm like, why am I, I know how to spell it, I promise. And what pops up is that there are 695,052 posts under Entrepreneur Life. And so you know, Susan, if you were going to post something there, that it would be filed away with that many other pictures and that that's an active hashtag. It's being used a lot and that might attract a certain kind of person to your feed. Yeah, that's super great. And I know that Melissa talks about all this in very specific strategies like this in the 21 day Insta course, which is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Insta, I-N-S-T-A dash. We'll have all of that at BeAMediaDarling.com. So let's talk also about there are so many like get followers quick tricks on Instagram. And while we want followers, I know you really want engagement. So Right. Which ones do you recommend? Of course, we want followers, but you just don't want anybody, right? You want really people who are right for your offer and right. right for what you stand for. Yeah. So I think that probably this is not the most popular thing that people want to hear, but I'm a really big believer in taking the time to actually build the relationship on Instagram. So I have not yet found a get followers quick kind of app that actually works Mm. well. And I don't know if they exist. If you can do things the quick way or you can do things the right way on Instagram, Mm. in my mind, and it does take some time and it does take some effort. And there are things that you can do to maximize the aesthetic of your Instagram feed, that you can use hashtags strategically, that you can connect with the right influencers in order to find the right followers quickly. But it's not an overnight thing. If you're promised thousands of followers overnight, while your numbers are definitely going to go up, it doesn't translate into sales. And if we're in business, the whole key to business is that we need to be selling something. We have to make money, right? And so it's a good ego boost when you do like these contests or, you know, you find these apps that get you a lot of followers quickly. It might feel good for a second for your ego, but it doesn't actually translate into sales because often those aren't real people. Or if they are real people, they are not engaged in your brand in the right way. So in my mind, it's much better to have have 100 followers on Instagram of people who are real people who are interacting with you, who you're building a relationship with, who love what you're doing and actually are going to buy from you than having 100,000 followers of people who are never going to convert into sales. Like, what's the point? You know, like, why do that? So I'm at like 34,000 followers right now, somewhere in that area. And that happened over the course of a couple of years. And there have been years where my growth has been really, really fast and big, but it's because I've put the time into building my Instagram and it didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen like while I was sleeping because I didn't try it actually happened because I put the work in. And so what does that look like to me? It's not hard work, like hauling bricks um, for miles. That's hard work. Engaging with people on Instagram, not that hard work. It does take time though. And so I try and do things to build relationships as quickly as possible to maximize my time. And one of the strategies that I use is to actually engage with the people who follow me and actually engage with new people who I want to follow me. And so I will set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes and I will go in and like and comment genuinely on as many pictures as I see in my feed. And I'm not talking about things like by just saying, cool pick on everybody's picture. I'm talking about, I'm looking at the picture, I'm reading the caption, I'm trying to say something thoughtful. And if you are on Instagram, you've probably experienced this before where you've written a post or you've posted a picture and you've written something that is really heartfelt and somebody has given you a comment that just says like really cool and a thumbs up. And you're like, you clearly didn't read what I wrote because I was writing about my grandma passing away and that Like you wouldn't see a real person who you're engaging with wouldn't write that kind of spammy comment. And when you see those spammy comments, those are coming from those apps that promise you followers quickly. And that's not the kind of reputation I want to build online. I want to build a thoughtful reputation. So I take 10 minutes at a time and I'll try and do it like if I'm the passenger in a car and like 
we're going on a road trip or something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend 10 minutes and do these comments. Or if I'm standing in line, I did this at the DMV a couple of days ago. I needed to get my license renewed. So I'm like, okay, I have time. I'm going to spend 10 minutes and I'm going to write these comments and just chunk it out in my day and really read and think about something and leave those comments. When you engage with other people, they are going to engage back with you and be interested and give compliments and you know, learn about the things that you're doing. And you can be even more strategic in your time management by targeting people who you believe fit your ideal client profile. So if that person is, you know, maybe you have a service that's geared towards stay-at-home moms. So you maybe would find people online that were stay-at-home moms by looking at their hashtags or, you know, doing a search of stay-at-home mom bloggers or something, and then following them and commenting on their photos to really show that you're engaged with what they're doing. And then that's how you get more people to follow you, is like being a real person. And so you do that regularly for specific ones, like you're not just doing it one time for a specific person. You'll go back over and over again and make those meaningful comments on their pictures. or on Yeah, their I think of Instagram yeah. as like, like a cocktail party almost where Mm -hmm. I wouldn't just show a slideshow at a cocktail party and not have anybody talk to me or not engage with people. So like the way that I would make friends in real life is the way that I want to make friends on Instagram. So I will introduce myself. I'll try and find a commonality. (laughs) I'll see like, Oh my gosh, you're from Sacramento too. Cause that's where I'm from. You're from Sacramento too. Oh, we have our shop on such and such, you know, what a coincidence or I know, isn't the weather great today? I mean, just how would you build a conversation in real life, right? That's exactly what I'm trying to do on Instagram. Wow. That's really enlightening because I was having trouble myself in terms of how to interact. I'm like you. I would go and make very specific comments on something that I really, that moved me or was really beautiful or something like that. And I remember feeling a little off put by people who would just do the cool pick with the thumbs up where it didn't relate at all to the comment or to the text or the picture. Yeah, the caption or what I was talking about. And it was just like kind of an automated response that somebody, it may not have been by a spam bot, but it certainly wasn't thoughtful. And so I didn't have any incentive to respond back other than saying thank you, which is how many times can you say thank you to people? You know what I mean? Like that's not a conversation is what you're saying. Right. And you know, sometimes you may get a comment like, um, there's plenty of times where I go through my Instagram and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. And yes, all you can say to that is thank you, Yeah, but it's genuine. And that's not going to be the only time I ever interact with that one person either. You know, so like sometimes the best way to respond is through an emoji. <laughs> like if you can't think of anything sure, to say, sure. It might just be like, I'm sending you love, you know, or when the time is right, you know, you would go back to that person and see what else they're posting and actually leave something thoughtful so there can be an exchange or a conversation. And if it means that when you set your timer on your phone for 10 minutes, just so you don't get sucked down the rabbit hole of Instagram. And in those 10 minutes, you can only leave two super thoughtful responses or captions or comments back on people's pictures then that's okay because you're actually building a relationship there with somebody who potentially, well, I mean, people buy from who they like. So this is not just an exercise in social media. It's an exercise kind of in like being a <laughs> likable person <laughs> and being relational. Yeah. And, you know, when people say like, oh, what's your secret? It's like, well, there really isn't a secret. I'm just trying to be friendly to as many people as possible online and doing it as often as possible. And are there weirdos? Sure. I block the weirdos, but for the most part, people appreciate kindness and they appreciate some friendly kind of commentary because we don't want to feel like we're invisible. And so if I can be witness to somebody and say, Hey, you're not alone or Hey, this is really inspiring or thank you so much. Or this cracked me up. Thanks for the smile or whatever. People are like, okay, cool. Somebody's listening out there and then they're going to follow back. And I like what you said that this is like a conversation at a cocktail party when you're getting to know someone, you know, first it's small talk and first it's making, it's opening a conversation and finding a commonality and then, Mm -hmm. or expressing a true thought or feeling or, um, you know, whatever it is back to them, but it's heartfelt and it's thoughtful and it's something that's very specific and personal. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think some people forget about that and try to be clever or just, you know, find an emoji that's not appropriate. But to really look and listen and connect with those people that you want to have a relationship with, you know, so I think that's important too. you know, connect with those people who you do want to build that connection with. Yeah. And a little bit of a quick rapport. And I think we're past the day where people feel like it's really weird to make internet friends. I mean, I know that there was like such a stigma, you know, several years ago, but I can't tell you how many internet friends I have now. And like, I'm meeting them in real life. And when you tell people who don't have an online presence, what you're doing, like, oh, I'm going to go meet my friend. Oh, really? How'd you meet? Well, we're online friends. (laughs) You know, it sounds so weird, but it's not. It really isn't because you can really actually get to know somebody through social media and through what they're doing online and create some really cool connections that way. And again, people buy from who they like and people work with who they like. And if people are off put by your stuff, then they're not going to buy from you. So it behooves you to take the time to do things the right way and build real relationships because that, I mean, what did people do? How did people have businesses before the internet? Like businesses still existed. It was all about building relationships in your community, right? Yeah. And this is your community. It's just exactly. Yeah. It's just a global community now. So quick question. Do you still have your service for the people who maybe don't even have 10 minutes a day or they have 10 minutes a day, but they want to expand their internet presence more, but don't have more than the 10 minutes a day. Do you still have your service where somebody gets to know your feed and helps respond for you? Yes. That service is called Insta Freedom. And we actually only offer it to people who have gone through the Insta course first because there's a reason if we are doing this service for you and attracting new eyes to your feed, you have a responsibility as like your social media manager to be posting content that connects with people. You have to make sure your bio says certain things that people understand how to buy from you. So it's kind of like a team effort in that way. And we want to make sure that people have gone through the Insta course first before they've signed up for that service, just so that they know what they're doing on their end. Got it. That makes total sense. I don't know if you want to edit that out. (laughs) No, 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 no. Because if people want to go through your course, I think it's a really valuable service because your people understand what it takes to build an Instagram presence. And some people might want to do it a little bit faster. And that's a way that's an integrity that they can do it. That's an integrity way that they can do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We manage the engagement piece of it to help you build those relationships online with the people and the places that you feel like your ideal clients or influencers are hanging out. And so we try and do that service for you to kind of make your hands free to do the other things you need to be doing in your business, which is like 10 million other tasks. (laughs) Right, exactly. So have we covered the most common mistakes you see small businesses make when it comes to promoting their business on Instagram? Have we done enough on that topic? Because otherwise I've got one more question for you. I would say just to add to one other mistake I see people making is that they're not clear who they're posting for on Instagram. And I see this mostly actually with service-based businesses. So people's feeds will look like a mismatched photo album of the day-to-day life of a person with a business. And I recommend to people having two different accounts if you really want to be posting a lot of personal photos. Having an account for your personal stuff, you know, that's housed one place. And then having an account that is really specific to your business and who you're trying to serve because you have two different audiences there. And as much as we like to believe that all of our clients want to know all the details of our personal lives, they really don't. They don't care that much. And so you posting a picture unless it's part of your brand. And so there's always that asterisk, always that caveat. Like unless your personal life is really part of your brand, like if you are a mompreneur and balancing your children with your business is part of what you're doing with your brand, then obviously pictures of your kids, that would be fine on your feed. But if you are some, like Susan, you know, for you, you're trying to help people get more exposure on media in all different forms of media, it probably wouldn't make sense for you to post a picture of your dinner on some random night, you know, even though like it's really interesting to you and it's really fabulous. I mean, if that dinner 
was with Oprah, different story, right? right. Then you definitely want to post that. But you know, you really want to be thinking about, okay, who am I posting for? Why am I posting this picture? What is this picture going to make people feel? And if you can't answer those questions, don't post it. Got it. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm also curious is how you use Instagram combined with your PR because you know you do traditional PR too you get into magazines you do podcasts like this how do you integrate that like how does that intersect with traditional PR so when I write for a publication I'm trying to get published somewhere else I'll make sure to mention in my bio where people can find me on Instagram and then when things do get published I will drive traffic from my Instagram to that link of wherever my stuff is published. And so, for example, a couple of years ago, this link has served me so well. I published something on Cameron Diaz's blog. It's called Our Body Book. And it was an article about, basically, we rise by lifting others, which is my whole like brand slogan for compliment. And so I wrote this piece about what that means, kind of. And Our Body Book, who has like hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, linked to me saying like, here's an article from compliment on Instagram. They did this. So I got probably 500 new followers from that one link, which it didn't originate on Instagram. It originated on a blog. And because they have an Instagram presence as well for their blog, that created a whole lot of back traffic to me on Instagram. So that was pretty cool. And we'll put a link, that direct link to the article on Cameron Diaz's site, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can find that at beamediadarling.com. So Cameron Diaz's people found your blog link and posted it on their Instagram feed? No, we did a guest post on that blog. So I submitted an article and got published on that blog. How did you submit the guest post? Like, was there a spot for that and you just applied? I actually, um, I did it the old fashioned way. I read the blog and I thought, <laughs> Oh, glory be. Well, oh my God. So you actually did school, research right? like you're supposed to. I know. I read the blog. I thought, oh my gosh, they're totally talking to my kind of person. I think that their readers would love what I'm doing and I have some stuff to say. And so I found who the contact was, who the publisher was, and I found her on Twitter, actually. I tweeted her, and I said, I have an idea for an article that would fit in this section under this heading. Like, I did my research, and she said, awesome, here's my email. Send it over, and I did, and she said, I love it. And send me a headshot and send me all of your information. So I did and they published it. <laughs> I mean, it's like the good old fashioned way you know, of doing like freelance Well, work. that was a relationship again. And you did your research. You found the exact spot on the blog where it would fit. And that's yeah. super important. You did not just send a generic thing. Hey, I'd like to write an article for you. Would you be interested in right. this? Yeah, exactly. I was finding a way that I could be of value to her publisher. Or I don't even know what her title is, but the blog master or something. And so I thought, okay, I know she needs content for this section. And the thing that I want to write about will fit in this section. And so let me pitch that way. So I came at it like really knowing the things that they already published and it didn't go the other way around. I wrote for that blog. It wasn't like I had something lying around on my computer and thought, where can I find a home for this? So although that works as well, sure. you know, this was very intentional. And so because I had a relationship with her people at that point, then they followed me on Instagram. I followed them and they posted a photo. It wasn't of my product. It was like the blog photo, but they said, we have this new blog post up by at shop compliment. And I got a huge wave of traffic on my Instagram that way and to my website. And that one link still drives traffic to my website to this day. And I think that was published in 2014. Wow. And then do you then take that link and republish it on your Instagram feed? Just like periodically you repost it? You know what? I haven't reposted it in a really long time. When it first came out, I did. That's a really good idea. I probably should to recycle some content because it was a great post. And I still stand by all those things that I said. And it would probably be a really good idea to do that. So thanks. Put it on Pinterest with a great photo because Pinterest, (laughs) that's super. Drives a lot of traffic. 
Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, Instagram, although it's my preferred method of social media and my preferred method of publicity, I don't do things on Instagram just in isolation. Like everything works together. So when I have a new spot on my local news station where we're doing like a Christmas gift guide, I make sure that my Instagram is shown up on the screen, like on the ticker, you know, they can find me on my website and also on Instagram. So I put my handle up there. And so every time I have a new spot, I get new followers on Instagram and then I post on Instagram. Hey, I was on the news. Check out this clip. And sure. We'll post that link. And you know, I don't think we've given out your handle. Isn't it at shop compliment? Yes, it is. I don't think we've said that once. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's okay. I'm sure it'll be in the notes. At shop compliment. Yeah. C-O-M-P-L-I-M-E-N-T. Yes. Not the other kind of compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were talking so much about the course, but I know that people are going to want to see what you're doing, too. So I think you want to see by example. So you'll get a real sense of what Melissa's talking about by going at shop compliment, because you can see all of those different types of posts and how she's responding also to the people who are following her and the graceful way that she's selling her jewelry and sharing content that's valuable to her users or her audience that share her values. Because I think that's, you know, I mean, somebody might not be ready to buy your jewelry right at this moment, but when they need a gift or want something special for a hostess or for their mom or for a friend or whoever, then they will be thinking of you and you'll be top of mind, right? Right, exactly. And so I read this and I think that you and I have talked about this in the past before that it takes somebody at least seven interactions with you before they ever take action by purchasing your stuff or now it's seven to 10, seven to yeah, 10. It's gone up because of the noise. So on the inundated yeah. With yeah, information. Exactly. So seven to 10 interactions. That's a lot. I want to make sure that my interactions are always positive, always uplifting, always enlightening so that when it comes time for somebody to be like, Oh yeah, I have heard of compliment, but what is that shop compliment? Oh, I'll go and follow. So seven to 10 times. That's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And I don't take that lightly. I see that as a huge responsibility to make sure that I'm constantly generating useful content for people. Yeah. So we're talking about somebody seeing you on TV. Somebody's read your blog post. Somebody visited your site. Someone followed you or found you on Instagram or they saw you Mm -hmm. on Pinterest. Those are all the touches that count. Right. And then seeing you over and over again. Then if they follow you, obviously, you know, you have a chance to continue that connection. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Fantastic information. And you can find everything on BeAMediaDarling.com. So thank you so much, Melissa. You've been such a great guest. And this has been amazing information for both online and traditional publicity and using Instagram in the right way to build your audience and to build your buzz in a way that's really with integrity and beauty. So I so appreciate you. My pleasure. I appreciate you back. Hop on over to BeAMediaDarling.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. Thanks so much for listening to the Be A Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.